0: Painter, we're back. Wow. We're here. We are just less than 48 hours away at this point from Auburn's opener against Kentucky. It's finally here. We've made it. It's your game preview episode of the Auburn Observer Podcast. How are we feeling? I feel like how you
1: do the night before you have a big field trip. And okay. you don't want anything to go wrong, or even a few nights before the field trip, you don't want to get sick. Mm. You don't want anything bad to happen. You just want to get to the date of the event. Real quick,
0: best field trip you ever had, band
1: seventh grade. We went to Atlanta. We went to Six Flags. We uh-huh. went to the aquarium. Uh, we oh, com- we competed. We conquered, and then we went and partied. So it was a fantastic uh, seventh grade trip in the band in Atlanta. All places.
0: Yeah, we didn't go on a ton of field trips when I was in school growing up. The, the, I think my favorite, and we went there a few times, is we went to the Shakespeare Festival in Montgomery to go watch, you know, some plays. And like, I guess when you grow up in a really tiny place, getting to go Montgomery felt like a big place. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're going to the
0: big city. We're, we're going to the capital. So, like, I, I think that was that was always really funny uh, to me to, to do that. But I mean, you weren't wrong. Well, there's going to be a field trip of sorts this weekend for the Kentucky Wildcats. Ooh, I like that
1: segue. By uh, the way, I think what I said wasn't a field trip.
0: I think it counts. It was, a school, it was a school function.
1: It was. But I guess when I think of a field trip, I think of like going to the aquarium.
0: Oh, you or, did that. That's true. We <laughs> You can learn in an aquarium. Anyway, I ruined your perfectly great segue. Uh, Auburn, Kentucky this weekend. We're going to talk a lot about this matchup and kind of preview it from about every angle we can think of. But before we do that. There has been some uh, some movement since the last time we've talked uh, on Auburn's depth chart. You know, We put out first podcast of the week on Monday. So we had the observations of the depth chart on Tuesday and kind of what we were thinking about heading into this matchup. Pater, there were quite a few surprises.
1: Where does it feel appropriate to start? Because I guess there were two that stick out.
0: The two big surprises, of course, I think a lot of people had were. Colby Wooden being the starting defensive tackle, a position I didn't think a lot of people thought he was really playing at. You know, Kevin Steele a couple of weeks ago had said, you know, he's playing some on the inside. He's got that ability. Um, and now he's done well enough that he is the starting defensive tackle next to Tyrone Truesdell, beating out Daquan Newkirk, which is which is interesting. Of course, the other one, uh, the second cornerback spot, I think a lot of people had it down between either Nehemiah Pritchett or Marco domio, In fact, it is Jalen Simpson, uh, the redshirt freshman, taking it. So, um I think we'll start with with Wooden because there's been so much talk about that defensive tackle spot. They've got a ton of depth there, but the fact that they felt like Colby Wooden had had such a good camp. You heard Steele rave about him a couple weeks ago when we talked to him. And that there's so many established guys at defensive end, Big Cap Bryant, Derek Hall, TD Moultrie, Jared Handy as well, that the best way to get him on the field... It's going to be that open defensive tackle spot vacated by Derrick Brown, and uh, he's bigger than what he's listed at at the moment at 268 pounds. I'm really interested to see what what he does because pairing him with Tyron Truesdale is going to be a whole lot of fun, I think. You get these these defensive ends. These defensive tackles that have had defensive end backgrounds, these edge rusher, even sometimes speed rusher backgrounds, you get them into a bigger frame and, and put them at defensive tackle and say, all right, can you create some havoc down the middle? Because one thing we know in all levels of football is the ability to rush a passer down the middle is so key. Um, because at defensive end, you can have a really good defensive end, but do a little bit more to slow them down. Defensive tackle, quarterback, you got that coming right in your right in your grill, and uh, that that could be something that wouldn't provides for Auburn in, in the absence of Derrick Brown.
1: Has he got a complimentary style to Truesdale? I think so. Is that part of the allure? And then I guess the other part is like rushing up the middle. I wonder what this Terry Wilson-led offense, I don't expect them to throw the ball a lot, but when they do, it seems advantageous to come at him through the middle. And Once again, it looks like... They're going to be fine
0: at defensive line
1: because, like, this is a name, like you said, we weren't even expecting him to appear at that position. Right,
0: and and I think with Colby Wooden, you have to look at the fact that he was a buck last year. Mm -hmm. He had mono last summer and, like, wasn't able to really get his groove back until, I think, outback bowl practice. We started hearing a lot more about him, but, man, Colby Wooden's going to be a guy. This is a dude who, friend of the newsletter, Ben Wolk, raved about when he covered him in recruiting. Like, Colby Wooden was one of his guys, and Ben usually had a good feel for this kind of thing. So, it's not surprising uh, to me to see a guy like Wooden pop like he has, and he's now in that spot. The other thing is, is the defensive tackle spot, they're going to rotate. So, they have so much depth there. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you do there? Because, like,
1: uh, there's some other names behind them, notably Trey Butler, that I want to see. <laughs> and, like, I think we will, right? Just yeah. Because we know how much they rotate. Interesting
0: fact there, a defensive tackle, Zachius like, Walker getting the edge over some of those guys at defensive tackle uh, in the backup spot. When you look at the amount of depth there, Zachievius like Walker and Colby Wooden, two young freshmen, Colby being a being a redshirt freshman, they needed to find a way to get him on the field. And it's like, all right, well, let's put him on the inside. But, you know, we need some guys to step up on the inside with Derek Brown being gone. I really like their potential. I mean, if Walker is that kind of Marlon Davidson clone that you can kind of move around, and I think the same thing goes for Wooden because they're going to play a good bit. And the thing, same thing goes for these Juco guys as well, but that just shows the amount of depth they have on that defensive line where they were like, that one position where they were feeling iffy about, not necessarily it's a problem. We have so much on the ends that we want to bring one of those guys over because as good as Colby Wooden could be for Albert, he's not starting ahead of Big Cat Bryant or either Derek Collar or T.D. Moultrie at this point. Jaron Haney is going to get a lot of snaps too as well as that bigger defensive end. I think Wooden is the guy that you really, really like there. K.J. Britt said he's grown so much that he's kind of unrecognizable this off season to the guy that they saw as a true freshman, which is, you know, you like to say it all the time. You'll worry about Ronnie Gardner's defensive line when they suck and like they haven't yeah. yet. I think it's just another check off in terms of the development for this group that a guy like Wooden has popped this quickly. Well,
1: even if I wasn't super assured, I guess at this point, wouldn't you feel, as an Auburn fan, better about your prospects given what you're bringing back at linebacker? If there's any sort of drop-off, I I suppose there will be in that Derrick Brown is difficult to replace. Generally speaking, you're still expecting big things out of this line, and and I guess that takes us then to the cornerback spot Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the depth chart. They talked about a lot of depth at cornerback, and I think this was part of the reason it proved to be true, uh, even if maybe we were all a bit off base about what that position could end up looking like.
0: I think Jalen Simpson is a really good fit here. This is a bigger corner on Zach and uh, Michael's podcast. We recorded that on Thursday morning. Pappas pointed out that like, Albert's quarterbacks are all huge. This is a big secondary, and, and and Simpson, over six feet tall, athletic. I want to read a quote to you from K.J. Brett quote, he's crazy athletic, a freakish athlete. He can jump 40, as in his vert, but it's also his love of the game and his progress. Simp loves football, and just watching him every day work, work, work his craft, coming from safety to corner and just keeping working, he's progressed his way into a starting position. I don't expect anything else but for him to progress, and before all is, said, all is said and done, I expect him to be a household name. He's going to be really special. Jalen Simpson, another one of those guys. Like, I know Nehemiah Pritchett had a lot of love, and I know Marco Domeo did as well. Jalen Simpson was a highly rated dude coming out of high school. He played in a in a really good you know system where he played on both sides of the ball. And His athleticism pops. I think you can plug him in anywhere and see where he, and see how he develops. He is moving from safety to corner. It's something that obviously he's made a good enough transition. They feel like he's ready to go in that spot. Sort of like what we saw at of Noah You just put a dude with all this athleticism and say, all right, hone in on this one thing. I think his potential is is, is really really high here. Why were we
1: slow on? Why was it that we, for the majority of the offseason, yeah. mentioned Simpson as a rotation? Piece. We thought he was a safety. Yeah, <laughs> and so this has now happened twice, right? Yeah. Just like you mentioned with the players at end, Auburn's in a great spot there.
0: Mm-hmm. Auburn's in a great spot at safety. So- like when they mentioned him as a, as a corner when Steele did a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, okay. All right, he's one of those guys there. You know, you got Pritchett, you got Domeo, you got um, you know Matthew Hill moved over there, Devin Barrett. It was kind of a side comment, you know, Pritchett had been doing really, really well. No disrespect to EMI Pritchett or Marco Domi or those guys. Those guys are gonna have to play. I mean, you're gonna need as many corners as you as you can, especially with the way football is had, headed and what we saw last year from teams like LSU and Alabama. But I think it says a lot for a guy like Jalen Simpson to be like, all right, here's a new position and hello, I'm the starter now here. Like this is this is my this is my spot. I'm really interested to see how this secondary looks because we'll get into it a little bit later in uh, in this episode. But like Kentucky's passing game isn't very productive in the past couple of years, and I know they got Terry Wilson back. This is a game where yeah, I know some people have some qualms about that secondary because they lost so many quote unquote starters. This is a game that like I don't think you're going to be able to ease into anything. Kentucky's an SEC team and like, an experienced SEC team in that regard, but like. This is not a game where he's like, all right, here's your your first start at corner. Like it's even not like Washington a couple of years ago, and no, we're not going to move over there. And they were like, we're just going to throw up to these guys because we've got we've got a quarterback that we really like. We've got some receivers that we really like. Let's go to work. I'm expecting big things out of though. and I and mean, what Britt says, says says it all. KJ Britt's a pretty good hype man for his teammates. He's not saying this about everybody, and and you know it's same the same thing with Kevin Steele and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh it's the same thing it's the same thing with Kevin Steele and, and Colby Wooden. They'll say positive things about these guys, coaches and teammates. But when you hear them go the extra mile and and the, why these guys have have developed like they have, pay close attention to it. I think Wooden and Simpson are the two greatest examples of that soft two red shirt freshmen starting on a defense uh um, that brought back a decent amount of talent.
1: McCreary, Hill, Barrett. Eric Reed Jr., Jalen yeah. Simpson, Nehemiah Pritchett, Marco Domio. How much do you think out of those names I mentioned, they'll all play? Yeah. Um, McCreary and Simpson will be on the field constantly. The other names, how do you think that rotation looks? I would
0: expect to see Pritchett be the third guy, and they want to have three guys at corner. Kevin Steele likes to say, you know, we don't have 11 starters. We have 17, 18, 19. I think he'll be one of them. Domio is behind those guys right now. I think he'll be he'll be one that that gets involved. Devin Barrett's got experience at that position now. Matthew Hill looked good early on, but I would expect, especially with Pritchett not getting that quote unquote starting job and Simpson developing as that guy, I would expect to see Pritchett be that that number three man. Real quick,
1: Christian, what areas, if you had to guess, do you think he focused on most this off season?
0: I think I think it's just going to be coverage and, and staying with some of those slot guys. He had a couple of games where some really good slot receivers gave him some trouble. He's a really good player, though. He's a big nickel. He's experienced. Uh, he hits hard. He's really good at run support. He's he's a playmaker. Uh, he's a super ra- athletic. He, he's the special teams. He 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 He's around a lot uh, of turnovers. He makes plays happen. He's a guy you can even set on blitzes and make and make some plays. I think he's going to be a big boost for a guy like Simpson in corner. And then also, when you look at the safety spot, they've got all that experience there. I think just the fact that they have several guys who have played with each other. We talked about it last week. McCreary, Monday, Sherwood, Tut, all these dudes came in together. They've developed together. They're close friends. Look, first two games of the year for Auburn, play a Kentucky team that's been limited in its passing game the last couple seasons. I and mean, then you play a Georgia team that, like, who knows is going to be the quarterback in, in week one. We know George Pickens is there. We know they've got talent at wide receiver because Georgia has talent everywhere. But I, they have an opportunity to really make a statement early on. I'm curious, and we'll
1: talk more about this later on to see how Steel game plans for Georgia because everything's up in air. So like, I I imagine they're sort of having to do a little bit of everything.
0: What do you think about Florida getting picked to win the East? I didn't
1: think that was going to be the case. I thought that would be a trendy pick, but like one of those things where it's like, if you were going to break it down to percentages like... It would be over 50%. 60% would probably think Georgia, and yeah. then, you know, 30, 40% of people would be like, yeah, I can see the timing really working out well for Florida, but mm-hmm. I did not expect them to outright get the nod. And again, I can see it. I'm still rolling with Georgia simply based on talent. Have you, have you said that Florida, you
0: think, will win the I picked, I picked Florida when I mean I was part of this standing said I thought mine was going to be a fringe opinion the continuity they've got at quarterback, knowing what Mullins got. They've got some real dudes on that defense back this year and just there's a lot of uncertainty with Georgia, but here's the thing. If Georgia gets its act together, if that quarter, if it's Dwan Mathis whoever it is a quarterback they got the talent to run the table in the East again. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all. That was just kind of like a, ah, there's some uncertainty around Georgia, and like, all right, I'll pick Florida. But I did not expect – I expected to be the minority there, the fact that they've got a lot of it. And that's what everyone's arguing today. It's like, well, they've got they – got, they're more talented at every position. They're going to be better. And it's like, yeah, but Kyle Trask was a good quarterback last season, and we don't know what Georgia looks like at the quarterback spot this year. If Jamie Newman was still at Georgia and starting – we and wouldn't, I think, be having he, the same conversation. He would be, He would be. you know, Georgia would have been the preseason favorite. If JT Daniels, we knew, was playing from week one at Georgia, probably still gets, you know, gets them to the top. But I think there's just so much uncertainty that people uh, were a little scared off of him and, and went with Florida. I know Dwan Mathis wasn't necessarily a guy that a lot of people had on their radar. More from that depth chart, we don't know who's going to be starting between Alec Jackson and Austin Troxel left tackle. I've said it here several times at this point. It's gonna be a work in progress. Like you're gonna need some patience with this offensive line, and it might look ugly in week one. I'm just gonna say it. Like I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some real struggles up there, just because they haven't had a ton of time together. Now, could I look dead wrong and they look good in week one? Sure. I think Jack McNeil's a good coach, and I think this is. I think I like some of the guys in the system. Oh, Rodarius Ham is going to be the dude on the offensive line. This guy who hasn't even started yet and was second team All SEC. That says a lot. I know. I know our buddy King Dave mm-hmm. McKinney. Is trying to say he's the conductor of the hype train. Um, I think I've given my seat up to him. I'm letting him I'm letting him take control of that now because I'm just by more people are looking at him everybody you talk to say this guy's gonna be a star. We need
1: to give offensive linemen more love. If they can and we'll probably get to this in a moment, if they can run block well, uh and obviously they're gonna have to be able to pass block some, that can't be atrocious, but mm-hmm. uh with, with Bo's ability to move around some. I feel like they don't have to be stellar. At it. Yep. they just got to be able to run the ball enough
0: to not be one-dimensional. I think with the athleticism and size they went with, that seems feasible, you would think. Nobody wants to hear this right now, I don't think. But like, there's only two seniors on the 2D mm-hmm. that are seen, uh, on, the, on the offensive side of the ball. This is a young it's a
1: young, offense. a young offense.
0: And they could bring everybody back. Now, we'll see what Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz do, uh, do but like everybody else could be back for Auburn next season. If Auburn's not on fire on offense, if early in the year, this has to be a lot like we did in 2019, which is rely on that defense and, and work towards getting better on the offensive end. So be it. This is not the end result for Auburn's offense. Like next year is the year where you can think, okay, this, this thing really, really goes. In the meantime, you've got to be more explosive on offense. You've got to show progress. You can't plateau. Uh, I don't think there was anything else to really, really, that really stood out a ton on that depth chart. Sean Jarvis, RB1, like we thought he was going to be. Uh, I think
1: you should feel good about your backfield between yeah. what you've got and a returning starter in Knicks, although that certainly has been debated hotly all offseason. You know, how good, uh, and in some cases, is he good at all, which seems <laughs> silly. But nonetheless, I'm cautiously optimistic that it will be fragmented, that it will not always look smooth, but that there will be moments and drives There's real that, potential. that will yeah. look good against Kentucky. Even though I'm with you, I think it's hard to imagine that it looks uh, super polished in week one.
0: Kentucky's defensive front, no stars, but like they've recruited really well the last couple of years on the defensive line. So I wonder how many of those young guys are going to turn loose in, in week one and see just how the Auburn's own offensive line handles that. Jeremiah Wright moved to defensive tackle. Give him some more depth there. You've got a lot of veterans. When I say veterans, you got some older guys at offensive tackle and you're recruiting a ton of them. So like, this makes sense. Six foot five, three hundred and forty pounds. If they can turn him into a guy who can contribute on defense at defensive tackle in the future, like that's a big man that you wanna you wanna help. If, if more than anything, like eat some space up. Can't teach six five, and three hundred and forty pounds is real rough to run straight into. So uh only two injuries out for a while. New Romel Height had been dealing with an injury. He is going to be out indefinitely along with uh O. C. Brothers. Uh, those are shoulder injuries. They had surgery and they'll be out. And definitely Malzon thinks that they could both play by the end of the season. We still don't know who the punter is going to be. We still don't know who the holder is going to be. I believe that Oscar Chapman and Aiden Marshall, I think you could see both of them early. And it's just gonna be a matter of who does most with their chances because they're different styles. Aiden Marshall, more of that traditional American punter, you know, trained up in American football. Oscar Chapman can do some more of the unique stuff that like an Aussie Rule's guy. Cam Riley was compared to Carlos Dansby in terms of his uh his frame. Uh, in athleticism, which uh, get excited about him. I think he's a guy you can see play a lot in 2020, especially fighting for that fourth linebacker spot. And I'm sure they're going to play him and and Wesley Steiner as well. We want to move on to talk about Bo Nix and the story up at the Observer. Before we do that, let's talk about our good friends at Home Field Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com, premium vintage collegiate apparel. They've got some Auburn stuff in there. I know a lot of you who ordered when they did Big News Saturday a couple of weeks ago, um, you're starting to get them in, in the mail now. There's been a lot of Auburn fans been showing off their stuff. Painter, I mean, what, what more can we say at this point about, about home field? It's just the most comfortable T-shirts and hoodies and, and, and even sweatpants if you want them. Uh, sweaters as well. And, you know, I, it, This is my official podcasting attire. I have to wear a Homefield shirt. They're the most comfortable shirts I own. I only wear home field apparel now. I've just been
1: wearing the same three shirts for the last week and a half. I don't wash them. They're sacred to me. And uh, right now, uh, I would have to say I'm a happy boy. Go get some home field apparel. If you're late to the game,
0: there's still plenty of time. I believe we've got a promo code. We've got a promo code. You type in Observer, your first uh, order at home field. Promo code Observer. You get 20% off of that. Yeah, get you a hoodie. Get you a sweatshirt. It's going to warm up the back here a little bit. We had a little bit of cool weather. They've got some awesome hoodies. Uh you can get one with with the side eye uh painter version of Albion. Uh, do you uh, do you get mad when people celebrate fall slash Halloween too soon? No, I, I think you know, I think if you celebrate fall, if you're like happy that it's fall, yeah, go for it, man. I don't like <laughs> ha- I don't like Halloween. So, I don't have a I don't have an issue there, but like fall, like yeah, you're tired of being hot. I love the summer even though the fall equinox doesn't mean, "Hey, the weather's going to be cooler here." Like that never seems to work here in in, in the Auburn area. You want to you want to be able to layer up, man. There is a small school that you particularly love or a small school that you particularly love the way they look, aka most of my collection. You can check that out at homefield.com. Shout out to the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. That's uh that's homefieldapparel.com. Uh, promo code OBSERVER, 20% off your first order there. And they've got free shipping for all orders over $50. So, stock up, folks. All right, you want to talk about Bo?
1: I think it's time. I enjoyed
0: the story. We're recording this
1: on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, that just came out. Uh, what I think is going to happen for Bo uh, this season, I'm very optimistic about it. Let's put it that way. I think there will be snags along the way and a lot of it you know, hinges on that offensive line. I wouldn't say that you laid out a best case scenario, but you do make an argument for what could happen if, you know, if the addition of Morris and, and Bo's progress kind of come together.
0: So this all started on Tuesday when Gus Malzahn said in his press conference when they, he was asked about Bo, yeah, here, here's a quote. He's got a lot of confidence. I know him and Coach Morris have worked extremely hard together. He's excited. Coach Morris is trying to build his thing around his strength. So... I hear that quote and the wheels start turning in my head, and I'm like, all right, so what's his strength? So we get Bo later in the day. I ask Bo, what are your strengths? Well, here's what Bo next had to say his strengths were. He said, I think one of my strengths is that I'm kind of dynamic, move around the pocket, I can extend plays and things like that, but at the same time, I can sit in the pocket, make throws in the quick game. I'm an effective runner at times. These are the strengths of his game. I know he said, you know, I can run and I can stay in the pocket, which is like, oh, you're good at everything. No, it was more of (laughs) like a, it was more of like a, um, well, I he the, stylistically.
1: Run at, the, the run at times thing I think matters because he realizes that it's not his game. He's not going to run like Nick Marshall, but he is yeah, right. He mentioned Jets. it in the story. What was the Auburn's most efficient runner? What was what was in, in terms of not
0: getting touched? Basically, he was the most effective runner last season that Auburn had in terms of success rate, yards preferred before before contact and first down rate. When he tucked it. And this is not scrambles. this is when he was a this was a running play that he ran you know of the guys who ran the ball more than twenty five times he's that kind of guy. he's not Lamar Jackson, he's not Nick Marshall, like you said, but if he can be a dude that can move his feet and make some plays on the on the ground it's a big it's a big deal for him. That's the thing I'm most curious about when you look at the Chad Morris offense, everybody wants to talk about oh well, he throws the, you know throws the ball more his quarterbacks don't usually run as much, but when you look at Nick's, that was something he was good at last season. can he be that type of guy when he ran the ball and he moved he didn't make a lot of plays but he kept plays alive and he avoided the big negative none of his six interceptions last season came when he was under pressure none of his fumbles came when he was scrambling he takes care of the ball and makes smart decisions when things break down including throwing the ball away they the didn't ball take away. a lot of sacks and throwing the ball away is something that affects your completion percentage a lot. But if you look at it, you look at his adjusted percentage; it's not quite as bad as it was. You know, is as
1: fifty-seven percent yeah, clip before, if you don't adjust
0: it for a true freshman, that's not bad. You just got to get better at some of that aspect of your game. And I think in this season, where you didn't have a full off season of preparation, you have an offensive line that's brand new. Being having a quarterback you feel like can run the ball and like make things happen when stuff breaks down is key. Because guess what? Things are going to break down. Bo Nix is a runner, he doesn't have to be Nick Marshall, but if Bo Nix is a runner, he can be a weapon for this offense, especially in terms of design runs, and that just builds on top of it. If Nix is more of a threat to tuck it and go, that's going to open up the lanes a little bit more for guys like Sean Chivers and all those other running backs, and also it makes the RPO a little bit more effective. You're going to get those linebackers to start cheating down a little bit more, starting to overplay it a little bit, and then boom, you hit a little slant to Seth Williams or a little slant to Anthony Schwartz, which is what everybody wants to see. That's an RPO that can that can really, really make it go next level and that's his game. So the short routes, he's great at the short throws, I should say.
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't call him great, he was good. That was okay. the best part of his game. And then the intermediate routes yep. he could
0: work on. Intermediate routes are definitely something he can work on. If if you look at Sports Info Solutions last season, he was in the eighty third percentile in terms of short passes, but twentieth in the intermediate passes. It's not good. Like he was one of the worst, you know, in the bottom fifth of the country in terms of Making intermediate throws. Downfield throws, he wasn't bad. Deep balls, I mean, for a true freshman, he can make some plays downfield. So it's that quick game is really interesting. And
1: something that, like the RPO, we've seen Morris employ a lot. You mentioned the story, as you've mentioned before, they use, we expect them to use less of the screen game. That's Mm -hmm. been more of Malzahn's bread and butter.
0: More slants,
1: more drags, more stuff like which, that. Which, you know.
0: Okay. You, you're ready to see that happen with swords.
1: Yeah, and, and I think generally Auburn fans have wanted to see that. Yeah. Now, regardless of what they want at times, Auburn's had effective offenses, and at other times
0: it hasn't been as effective. Right. And when you look at Bo Nix's background, his dad, their offense at Pensive Valley, and then even if you see it now, if you're in this area, if you watch Central Phoenix City play, which is where uh, Pat Nix is now, like everything's an RPO. It almost feels like Um, this is Nix's game. He's been trained up to do that. And it's just can you give him some more confidence that will the running game be more of a threat for him to feel like the passing game off of it can be more effective, the play-action game can be more effective off of it. And on top of that, can he run the ball himself as well? Uh, His short throws were really good. Last season, he averaged nearly seven yards an attempt on RPO throws. He completed 75% of them. It was his most efficient area of, of passing. Down the middle of the field, throw the thing to him. Throw it. You saw some of those really good games last year that he had. How many times he was hitting slants over the middle of the field to guys like Seth Williams? Can he do it more with guys like Amy Schwartz? Can you know some of these some of these bigger, younger freshmen take that mantle up as well? I think that quick game is going to be the, the path to success for him this season under Chad Morris. That is the offense that you know that, that is something he does a lot more than what we've seen out against Malzonski.
1: Uh, Given the offensive line, we'll probably have up and down moments, at least in the first couple of games. We'll see how it progresses throughout the season. There will be some limitations to what they can do in the first few games anyway. We don't know how well they'll be able to run block. Knicks can do a little bit with that because of his ability to extend the play. But at the same time, if he's just running for his life, that will negate some of the progress I will feel he has made this offseason.
0: I think if he's in the neighborhood of like 65%, 70% completion percentage, averaging you know eight or nine yards an attempt, you know, Seven, eight, nine yards in the attempt—that's a good. That's a good spot to be in. This Kentucky team does not give up a lot of big plays through the air, but you want to still be effective and you want to be efficient because if you keep hammering away, maybe you get a get a crease. Don't feel like you have to go for the the like. It's not going to be like chunking downfield and pray. If Bo Nix has a game where he's over two hundred yards, he does. He takes care of the ball. He completes you know close to around a third of his passes. I mean, uh, two thirds of his passes, I should say. He's in a he's in a good he's in a good spot, and that's a good game against a defense in Kentucky that. It's gonna to be tough. Like they don't give up big plays. There's not a ton of star power back there. I know they've got an LSU transfer at corner that they really, really like that could be a really big weapon for them. But, you know, on top of that, I think that I think that this is a matchup that that he can really go to work in and say, All right, you've heard it all offseason. It's gonna be a different offense. Seth Williams is really really excited about it. He looks like a different person. This looks like a different offense. All right, let's let's put it in action knowing that he's not a finished product yet. This is game one of year two. He's got at least one more year left. He's got, he's got room to grow for sure. How much does he improve in this first game? We've seen him win games, close games, not necessarily lighting up you know, on the stat sheet. Can he do that while putting up some bigger numbers? And, like, Kentucky, Kentucky's going to be a really good football team, but they're not, they're not Alabama. They're not Georgia. Like, so what does he do in this kind of matchup? Yeah, it's
1: an interesting matchup uh, because it's not this team that's a pushover the defense will be very capable for kentucky but also the next week they may face the best defense in the country yeah Uh, so it i guess fortunate that it's not week one but you're not really getting a slouch either which is probably for the better right like you're gonna end up getting a good test uh, before you have to, I, I don't think they'll play a defense as good as George's the rest of the year. No. So, you always think you always think Alabama's going to have a great defense and like they're going to
0: be healthier this year, you would imagine. But yeah, the George is going to
1: be the one. So I I think it sets up well, albeit I think it's going to be uh, ugly at times and I imagine frustrating. Uh, I, I am excited. I think that we will see glimpses of what uh, Auburn fans have been desperate for for a while.
0: I'm of the opinion that Bo Nix has a good game, but a lot of it's going to hinge on how that offensive line looks and how effective he's going to be able to be. And again, uh, this offensive line is probably going to be a work in progress. Like there, there have been some rough days for them in, in practice, and they have not been a hundred percent. How does that look like on the field in a real game against a Kentucky team that's got a lot of veteran pieces? If you want to buy into stock into the fact that Bo Nix will be a good quarterback this year, Chad Morris is the type of guy that. Bit wise, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you can go back to pretty much everywhere he's been, but Arkansas. The quarterbacks he inherits, the, their first year, take off. Bo Nix can be that guy, and we know he's talented, and we know he does a lot of the things really, really well that you want from a young quarterback. He won nine games. However, he looked real rough in some and several of the games at Auburn Wallace last season, and like a lot of that's on him. So, how much does he step up? Can he be a better quarterback at throwing the ball in the intermediate game? If he can take a step forward in that aspect you're going to see a different Auburn offense this year. Um, what did
1: you make of Morris's comment? I thought it was telling that he didn't have much to say in the way of technical aspects of Bo's game for improvement. It was about the game slowing down.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot it's of it's say, mental.
1: Yeah, that's not to say that Bo can't improve. Like we just mentioned that he could get better right. in the intermediate passing game. But generally speaking, it seems like they're really focusing on, I guess, an intangible part of the game, of being yeah. very much in control.
0: And, Processing.
1: Uh, yeah, and as the as Chad put it, even if it is a bit of coach
0: speak, letting the game slow down. Yeah, I mean, I think the the best quarterbacks are the one where the bullets aren't flying as fast, and that you can visualize everything. That you are so quick with your decision making that it doesn't feel like you're being overwhelmed when you when you play. That's something I think has got to be the big step forward. You know, Nix has talked about it himself. He's like, I know where everything has to be now. Like, I know how practice is supposed to look like. I know, you know, I can read defenses better. I can break down things better. He has more. Uh, command uh, with his offensive line you know he he feel he's the leader of the team he got the second most votes to be a captain this season as a sophomore and that is significant do you take that step forward mentally um and we've talked about his mentally you know he, he he lost his confidence last season I can't
1: imagine after the Florida game that it was easy to no. come back you know I mean I think that if you were objective that was a really tough environment for him you know yeah. it was probably also like the biggest game that their football programs had yeah. in, in five
0: years and, and on top of that on top of that i'll say this early last season there was a lot of talk when he was struggling that people there were people pushing for joey right. and they were and, and people were i mean i'm not saying he looked over his shoulder i think he definitely it would knew. be
1: impossible not to notice that conversation simmering like it may not have ever happened at auburn no. an athletic facility like we i think auburn did
0: a good job of keeping their confidence in him and saying this is our guy
1: if you're at all perceptive as a human as bo nix had to have been right walking around the class and like getting on social media yeah people Mm -hmm. were saying hey you've got this other alternative why not
0: try it yep i think this year there's no doubt it's his show and we saw it a little bit late last season you know after joey left and like after it was like okay this is this is this is what moving on is going to look like it's it's bo nix's show you saw him play a little bit better towards the end of last season. No, did you not think
1: he looked really comfortable in the game-winning drive against Alabama? You know, and, yeah. uh, he didn't score the touchdown. That was Sean right. Shivers, but like you know, that's a huge moment.
0: And, and he's playing at you know, home, which I mean, statistically, he was a he was, he was a, a good, good quarterback at home. Rough on the road, but he was well, a good. Florida and LSU would uh... those are tough spots to play. Yeah, yeah, and then also like Oregon game one. Oregon won the Rose Bowl. I think Bo Nix and more confident Bo Nix this season does. Wonders for Auburn's uh, offense because I think personally uh, his wide receivers are going to be ready statistically in a miles on, on a on a on team returning a lot of experience at wide receiver usually bodes well for their next season. Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, Eli Stove, they got it. He's got that he's got that connection, he's got that camaraderie. I'm really interested to see how much he turns it loose. I know Kentucky's not necessarily a team where it's like he ain't playing Mississippi State last year where it's just like oh they're bad let's just <laughs> let's just eat them up through through the air. This is going to be a good team. It's going to be a good test. But, like, there's going to be a lot of motivation for him to come out and say, Here, here's what you're going to – expect. here's Bo next 2020. This is what this is going to look like. There's going to be some motivation to go out there and do that. And he said it on uh, – he said it on Tuesday between the pandemic and all the uncertainty this year and getting back on the field as a sophomore, he said, I don't think I've ever been as excited to play a football game. If he's locked in like that and Auburn, and Auburn can, can give him the right amount of protection and, and, and movement up front, I think you I think you could put on a show. I was having an
1: argument with friends recently about how good Nick's season will be, and I think Trask and Jones will be one and two this year in quarterback play. That's my prediction. I'm not sold on Mond. Costello no. will be interesting because no. he will statistically I think be impressive, but yeah. they will throw the ball about 70% of their plays, and they'll probably not have a record over 500, so like you have to take some of his statistics with a grain of salt. kind of comes down to Mond, Nick's Costello as the guys competing behind. Because I'm really high on Jones, and then we we saw Trask really
0: kind of come into it. I own. think you better, he could be better than Trask just statistically. I think Trask looked really good. He's a good quarterback, but there might be kind of a ceiling to like how Not much legit. you can do in an in, a, in an offense led by him. I think Auburn's skill talent is better coming back this season, and I think they're gonna they're gonna rely on him rely on him more. Now, Dan Mullen. We'll see what Dan Mullins got got up his sleeve, you know, for another year with Kyle Trask, a quarterback. But, like, there's potential there to really, really like what Knicks produces and be a dude that could contend to be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. I think Jones has an advantage by, A, he plays at Alabama, B, he's been in the system before, and C, look at all the receivers he still has there. And then I did mention
1: Miles Brennan, who I think, like, yeah. I, I'm not, you know, I think the goal for him should be, like, be in the top half of the league because of all the talent they have around them. They it would do. be, it would be, it would be a whole lot
0: easier for him if Jamar Chase was still running routes yes. But Jamar Chase should be running routes because Jamar Chase is about to make a lot of money and like go it's ahead. Hard to blame him, dude. Yeah. Like you're
1: a uh, top ten draft pick. Easy. Go, go get ready. I don't I, like given the, the oddity of this year. I can't blame him. But so in terms of performance, I'm, I'm getting to the question of like where do you think he ends up in the in our perception of a you know one two three four. Or a one two three in the league. Like are we okay. gonna be talking about Mac Jones is the best quarterback out of the, the conference? Are we gonna be talking about Trask, Nicks. I don't think I you were I mine, think on I think there's this perception that he'll
0: finally take the step forward. I think he could be the number two quarterback in the SEC by the end of the year. I think Jones is going to have those numbers and he's got a little bit I mean, he doesn't have more experience than Knicks, obviously, but it's the the weapons around him, the team he plays. We've for. seen him enough to know that like he's got it. He played really well last year. Um and you know, after two went down. I think he's got the, the opportunity to be you know, second-best quarterback in the league. And, like, look, man, if he pops it, he's a five-star. Like, he, like, he's a good player. There's a lot more question marks for him just because of that offensive line, and we just don't know what that Auburn offense is going to look like because so much of it hinges on that offensive line. And it's a tough spot to be in because, A, you didn't have a real offseason, and, B, there's a lot of newness there, unlike a guy like Mac Jones, who is going to play behind three or four NFL Offensive linemen. I'm not saying Auburn couldn't produce three or four NFL offensive linemen from the guys they've got right now. It's just we don't know that for sure yet. We don't, we don't know what that's like. Heck, I mean, Bo Nix played in behind, what, two of NFL offensive linemen <laughs> last season. So speaking of the Kentucky game, we've talked about it a, a lot uh, this week. This Kentucky offensive line, how elite they are up front, how much they want to run the ball. It's that strength versus strength matchup that we talked about a lot on the uh, on the Monday edition of the show, you can go back and listen to that if you if you haven't checked it out yet. Normally being
1: one dimensional not a good thing. But not against Kevin Steele defense. Uh, you know, they've managed to make but it. But that work. dimension is really <laughs> effective. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, they do make it work. I don't think Auburn's defense is one that will allow that. I do think there's a difference in most of the defenses that they've played and had some
0: success with versus what it is they'll be going up against Auburn. Well, I pointed it out on the on the show earlier this week. If you look at the last couple of seasons, they lose at Texas A&M in 2018, a ranked team in Texas A&M. They averaged 3.5 yards a play. They lose, at, they lose at home against Georgia, only 4.8 yards per play. Only got 310 yards in that game. Lost to Tennessee, 3.5 yards per play. In their losses, they have struggled moving the ball because they're, I mean, even with Terry Wilson, a quarterback in 2018, they are, they are kind of one-dimensional. And then last season when they lost only 177 yards against Georgia, they. Did put up a decent amount of yardage against Florida, 407, but did lose that game. But, yeah, 3.4 yards uh, a play against South Carolina. 386 overall yards against Mississippi State. 327 yards against Tennessee. Man, Tennessee's had their number. Great defenses like ones that Florida and Georgia have had have have done a good good job job. of beating them and slowing them down.
1: Yeah, even in the game you said where they had some, I guess, some nice offense against Florida, they didn't win the game.
0: Right. Kevin Steele, extra preparation for this game with a defense that I know they don't have Derrick Brown, and I know they don't have Marlon Davidson. They got, I don't know they how they 20
1: points. I don't understand. Like, I don't think Auburn's offense has to be at a point where it will, I think, uh, excite you know, the yeah. fan base later on in the season. It doesn't need to be that yet. It just needs to be adequate. I do not understand how Kentucky is going to put together even three sustained drives of 75 yards or more.
0: Yeah, last season, if you look at it, the scoring offense for Kentucky, against teams that had a winning record, they averaged twenty-three points a game. In conference, they averaged eighteen points a game. Against power five teams, they averaged twenty-two points a game. And this was an effective offense running the ball. This is what everybody the hype was about. And you I know Lynn Bowden and they were one dimensional, and Terry Wilson should be a difference maker. The year before, twenty-two point nine points per game against a power five against power five teams, twenty-three point three against winning record, eighteen point three again. Uh, against against conference opponents. This is a team that wants to keep it a low score, and if, Auburn, if if Bo Nix on this Auburn offense can get three or four touchdowns, I think they win the game.
1: If, and I think it's the same thing that you could say at almost every game, but it's heightened because of the way they want to possess the ball. Like Auburn on offense has to protect the football. Mm-hmm. And on Can't defense, give Kentucky short fields. Right. The field position will, of course, be important. Cliché, but true. And then you know, they cannot give up big plays on defense, and I don't expect them to. Yeah,
0: I think to me this game is going to come down to how much we see from the Auburn offense. Like Kentucky can put up big plays on the ground with the way they run their zone scheme, with that offensive line in front of them, with those running backs. It only takes one or two opportunities. I, I,
1: I expect them to have an effective run game.
0: I, you know I do, but how are they going to throw the ball? Like yeah. that—that's my question. And I'm not saying Terry Wilson can't throw the ball, but it's, it's, his numbers weren't great in 2018, comparatively speaking to other SEC quarterbacks. And like their wide receivers, I mean, there's not a whole lot of experience there. They had to move Bowden to to, to quarterback last season, and like their top returning receiver from, from last year has like 230 yards. If you tell me that Kentucky exactly. has a
1: uh, had the ability to move the ball basically between the 30s on Auburn, I'll believe you. But it, once they get down near the red zone, I have no faith that they'll be able to actually get into the end zone on sustained drives. Again, if things break down and they bust off big plays, that's yeah, one tackles, blown
0: assignments, things that you're going to see that you might see from a defense that has some new faces back right. there. But I, I have a hard time. The Florida game last season, absolutely. Florida didn't march them up and down, it, but they had two big play, two or three big plays that made all the difference was all in the game. They And guess what, Kentucky those running backs can make big plays, especially behind that offensive line. They get a hold of those guys. Those guys can be gone. So it's going to be a big game for KJ Brett, Owen Popo, uh Zucotin playing to a guy like Jamie Sherwood as well. Tackling in the secondary is going to be key as well because Kentucky's going to try to get out in space and, and, and make Auburn pay that way. I just have a hard time that if you're – what we know of this Kentucky offense Looking pretty one dimensional, and we'll see how see how much that passing yeah, maybe, dimension may get season, they get
1: back with. Maybe Terry Wilson takes a step forward. Coming um, off
0: an injury, not a ton of experience in wide receiver. On paper, it doesn't look great. Now, we've seen some limited passing offenses in the past hit some big plays through the air on them before. Tennessee comes to mind in 2018. Um, Washington, a couple of years ago, definitely did as well. That we didn't know they weren't in very, a ton of known commodities of wide receiver, and they're like, oh wow, these guys are you know, can can make some plays. It could definitely happen in this game. It's just on paper, it's hard for me to buy into the fact that Kentucky's offense is going to be able to put up a lot even against an Auburn defense that loss. Two of the best players it has ever had, and several players in the secondary, including a Daniel Thomas, who was it
1: who was an NFL draft pick. Auburn fans I think are right to be nervous about the game. Oh, yeah, especially given that it's a uh, the beginning of the season. And things are just weird. Auburn has won its its openers recently, but they've all been nail biters. So, I would expect nothing different from this. I think Auburn wins, but I do think it's uh, frustrating at times. I think the offense is going to look fun and stretches. And I think it will also be like, oh, God, uh, at other moments. I think turnovers are
0: going to be the big one in this yeah, one. Yeah.
1: Like Can't they, give
0: Kentucky short fields.
1: Absolutely. If they've got to go the length of the field for four quarters, they're not going to get in the end zone. As line. good as that offensive
0: line is and as good as those running backs are.
1: Auburn has better talent. They are the better team, and that does not mean that Kentucky can't find a way to win. We've seen Auburn
0: could. We've seen Auburn shut down really good run, de- run offenses before. It's, it's the, the teams team that are, can be balanced and can be explosive while being balanced are the ones you kind of have to kind of worry about.
1: Well, the, the one that comes to mind the most is that Alabama game in 2017, where right. Alabama undoubtedly, for me, maybe there's a different game that comes to mind for you, but in 2017, Alabama has on paper a much better team than Kentucky does right now, and there are different players, of course, in this scenario but they dare jalen hurts to throw the ball Mm -hmm. and he couldn't like at the end of the day now you may say well the the offenses aren't the same etc but like at the end of the day i feel like we're running into a similar situation Mm -hmm. in which they said to jalen hurts you're gonna have to throw the ball effectively and like don't you expect there to be some of that
0: same game plan and mentality in this matchup yeah to see how much terry wilson has improved how much those wide receivers are improved i think that's your path because that running game is going to command a lot of your attention. And it sure, should, because it's a good it's a good running game. And, again, they have potential to hit, hit big plays. For me, Kentucky wins this game if they're able to control the clock, they're able to take advantage of Auburn miscues on the offensive end, and they're able to hit some big plays. They get some guys out of position and know that they're not necessarily – Kentucky's not going to come in there, roll in there, and put up 35 points against Auburn, um, even with the new faces. I mean, last year, these last couple of seasons, they've averaged 18 points a game against SEC – Foes, but have been a decent team in fact a good team I would say uh in the 2018 season because they're able to control the ball and you know limit the other team's opportunities to succeed so Auburn can't give them short fields Auburn can't give them those opportunities if they work the ball and you know Auburn Auburn's defense has to have a little bit more seasoning they can win this game however on the other side for Auburn Play your game on defense and 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 don't like avoid the big mistakes on offense. And I think you win this game. You're a more talented team. Kentucky's got the veteran. Like I so said, Kentucky knows what they're going to do. Kentucky knows what they've got. Auburn, there's a lot of newness to it, and that's that weirdness. Week one weirdness. that You can start saying, eh, you know, like maybe this this game will get out of hand, uh, or not out of hand. This game will get away from Auburn if they if they do that. Um, I think an untimely turnover or two for Auburn. Yeah. You know, two. You know, you say to a defense that doesn't give up a lot of big plays either. Kentucky is going to make you Kentucky's going to make you fight for every yard like you're expecting Kentucky to have to fight for every yard on offense. And then you you know, you say,
1: Well, what if Auburn gives up a forty yard touchdown run and a seventy five yard touchdown run? it's like, well then at that point they maybe only need one sustained drive the whole game to get to about twenty one points because you've turned the ball over, given them some short fields. Yep. It's a game in which I feel really good about Auburn winning based on talent, um, mm-hmm. and I like what they've got at key positions, especially to counteract some of, you mentioned in the last podcast, strength versus strength, and I think Auburn's talent wins that matchup ultimately, and I'm just optimistic that with another year under his belt and the, the timing that Nicks has worked out with, with some of the receivers and the veterans and skill position players that the offense will look good enough long enough. To win yeah. this game, even though I, I think it's close, like I think it's a single digit win for
0: Auburn. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think this is either I think this is either a close win for Auburn, I'd I predict a close win for Auburn, or a close win for Kentucky. Or I mean, this could be a game where I mean, if Auburn is clicking on offense early, like this, this is a game where they can say, Kentucky, we know you can't hit. Big plays, like, through the air. We know you're going to have to rely on a ground game, and that's, you know, our run defense has been the strength of ours the last few years to try to keep up. It's tough because, again, A, Kentucky doesn't give up big plays, and B, there's a lot of newness on offense, especially on that line. But uh, there's a scenario where Auburn gets it rolling early and and moves on. I'm not saying they're going to blow out Kentucky, but, like, if we're, talking, if we're talking on Sunday morning about Auburn winning by two touchdowns, I would be shocked at all. I mean, I think the line now is around 10, I think. And that, to me, is a little where you like – there's so much uncertainty that I don't know if I'd hammer uh, Auburn in that case by any means. But, you know, I think, I think a lot of this is going to come down to Bo Nix. How much has he improved? How much has he taken step forward? How much has Chad Morris made an influence this quickly? And how much can that offensive line, that new look offensive line, do enough to make sure that Kentucky just doesn't live in Auburn's backfield and that Auburn has some opportunities to hit them, um, you know, and get some sustained drives because this is not a team that gives up a ton of big blows.
1: I'm not shocked at all if Auburn has statistically a good offensive output but doesn't put up a ton of points. Like if they are able to move the ball down the field but not necessarily – Play sleep. field position. Yeah, like, you know, just finishing drives can be tough. I see –
0: I see – I see I – see. Several field goal attempts from Honor's crosses, maybe yeah. not from maybe not well, from miles out, but the
1: Auburn Ole Miss game last year, yep. to some extent. But I think the the offense uh, A looks different, and, and B, like you know, I just think it's there will be some drives that maybe they don't finish, but I, I still yeah. think that they're going to be able to move the ball.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, and, I, and that's
1: why I think it'll be at the end of the day a single digit win because I think that they Kentucky's going to hang. Yeah, I, I just good believe team. that I believe Auburn will move the ball down the field, but not necessarily uh, have it finish in, in
0: touchdowns. I will say I'll, I'll say this, and this is no knock to Kentucky because I think again Kentucky is fully capable of coming in here and beating Auburn on, on Saturday. There's no doubt about it because they have that veteran experience on both sides of the ball. I'll say this though: Kentucky is a good team, but Kentucky is a flawed team. And if the flaws, if Auburn can exploit those flaws, the talent's going to win out, and they're going to you know they'll 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 get the victory at home. Especially is going to be key. However. Flawed football teams win college football games all the time because college football is a very <laughs> flawed sport. Like, it does. Weird stuff happens, and especially in week one, especially in 11 o'clock games. Like, so, I mean, that, I think that's, the, that's where I, I land on when it comes to this matchup between Auburn and Kentucky. All right. We're going to wrap up uh, today's show. By the way, speaking of uh, Andres Carlson, uh, he's an uncle now. Did you see uh, Daniel Carlson? He, Kind of crazy. You have a really big game on Monday Night Football, and then you turn around and you have a you know you, you and your wife have a kid uh, uh, a couple of days later. Like that's, that's pretty crazy. It's been a big week for them, but uh, congrats, congrats uh, to DC. One of the absolutely. you know him and Anders, great guys to cover, great guys to talk to. Has always good for him, and, and the fact that he's like turning into a really good kicker. And Vegas is with the Raiders is really is really big.
1: I'm curious to see how uh, Will Carlson, Little Carlson, plays this year. You know he yeah. he struggled some in the season but man really boring. one year iron bowl yeah, for what a fantastic games. performance against alabama i went back and watched some of the old miss game recently and that was one where he struggled in the beginning so like, in this third year i think i'm expecting more consistency and the thing will still be true that we discussed going into last season like put him in a little bit better of a position in yeah. terms of where he's taking those field
0: goals you can check out auburnobserver.com for all of those stories that we have talked about the, the observations from the depth chart and the practices this week uh, you've also got the Bownick story that we discussed here in the middle of the show uh, on there as well. We've got a SEC fantasy update. How are we doing overall? Uh, not as good this week. It's that Uzama injury is going to hurt, but Cam Newton is the number one player, uh, SEC player in fantasy football for the first two weeks of the season. Uh, it's almost like he's still a really good quarterback. So
1: I love that they're paying
0: him no money. It's amazing. It, it truly, it truly is amazing.
1: And he said something about it recently. I saw a quote where he said, "At this point in my career," and he's right. Like, I've made enough money. He's made, you know, well more than a hundred million dollars. Right. So he's more, and he'll 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 get his next year
0: in some capacity. You would imagine the, the way he's playing early on. You can check all that out at the Auburn Observer, auburnobserver.com. com. Sign up there if you haven't already. Uh, you will get all of this for free for another week. This time next week, Painter, we will have our first paywalled edition, our first premium episode, whatever you want to call it, for our subscribers. What we're going to do there is um, there will be a feed. That you will get if you are a subscriber, you'll get a special feed that you can add to your podcast app. The only one that does not work in that aspect is Spotify. So if you're like me and you listen to Spotify, you're gonna have to switch over to something else. We are on Google Podcasts now, which was a big deal for a lot of you. Uh, I know for some reason Google was the was the slow one for us, but we are on there now. So all you Android uh, fans out there can take uh, can go on there. But yeah, we will put it up, and you'll get a special link for subscribing uh, that you'll be able to listen to it on the website if you want to, or you can put it on whatever yeah. app you use whether it's yeah. apple uh, you the, can use stitcher, stitcher that's apple it. you can use any of your any Cast. any yeah, yeah. any of your third
1: parties and like we mentioned before spotify just doesn't uh let you do it but the rest of them do it
0: it takes like 20 seconds it's very easy and so, so that will be next be week we will preview the georgia premium. game that, that will be a premium, premium episode we'll have a premium story up that day as well heading into the georgia game and then yeah moving on God, i'm saying
1: for that matchup because it's like we have a lot to learn about both Georgia yeah. and Auburn and how they play in week one and then we know Georgia's defense is going to be so good it's, that's going to be a fun
0: episode shooting for $6 a month and probably what I'll probably do is I'll go for $60 a year so if you sign up for the whole year you will get two months free uh, thrown in there uh, as appreciation for you uh, believing in us and uh, giving us a shot early on um, a lot of subscribers we're now closing in on 1200 uh, for for the signups see how many of you guys convert over once we go to a paid format Hopefully uh, it's enough for Painter and I <laughs> to keep doing this. Uh, so
1: thank y'all some of y'all have been rating and reviewing and subscribing. Yeah. That's a big help to us. Please, if you don't mind, uh lot, just, you know, scroll down on your,
0: your app. A lot put... of love on Wednesday when I went on Fine That was really that was cool. cool. That was really cool to see that, you know, this thing, thing didn't even exist three, three weeks ago, or four weeks ago, and to see that, you know, be in that spot. It shows
1: well, for what Fergus' talking about, like on the screen they've got coming up and it's like, you know, Justin Ferguson. And of course, it's got what you're with, and it is neat to see his independent newsletter. Yeah, from Auburn Observer. But that,
0: so, thank you all for also supporting and reaching and out. Yeah, exactly. Like if this was something that I was just doing, and like that we were just doing, and like you know, ten people were were tuning into it, we'd be appreciative of the ten people. But like, there'd be no way we would be able to, you know, be able to get on these platforms mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and, and talk about what we're doing. So, thanks to you guys, you you've you've made this thing work so far, and uh, I know we're going to go into a new era uh here at the start of next month where we'll start asking for you know payment for this um again we know that the times are really rough for uh, a lot of people in this country especially financially this might not be a time where we feel like hey throw in six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year or whatever you do um and that's fine we'll still have a free podcast each week and every now and then there might be a free story on the observer that i put out there but what we're bo- mostly going to do is you know, try to go back to that paywall format so to see if this works to see if we can do this uh, for a living. That would be that would be a lot of fun. I would imagine. Yeah, covering Auburn and uh, you know getting to uh, hang out with
1: friends for a living. I, I would say doing it doing it on our own terms. You know that's
0: that's, that's that's always that's always fun. Going independent. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and I've had I've had fun uh, connecting with some people who are doing this as well. So again, huge shout out to all of you who signed up, all of you who have rated and reviewed and subscribed to the podcast all of you who have already asked about converting over to paid to a paid news uh to the to the paid subscription it's coming next week next yeah, thursday cool. we'll do that um sorry to cut
1: you off yeah. the number of people you know wanting to go ahead and support financially we appreciate that that was cool and you yeah. said next thursday next
0: thursday's podcast we're going to do we're going to preview the georgia sure. game and that will be a that'll be the first of our premium episodes but what we will do is our first podcast for every week, which will be the recap podcast, which we're going to try to shoot for on Sunday this week. We'll recap the Kentucky game and talk everything we uh, we want to know about that. And then that'll be free. And those recap uh, podcasts will continue to be free uh, moving forward. The premium ones, you know, once a week will be uh, the preview episodes. We'll shoot for them on sometime around this time on Thursday, afternoon, evening, is when we'll put that up. Mailbag on Friday, all that good stuff. And then Saturday, it's game day. We'll have some observations posted either Saturday in the later in the evening or Sunday morning, depending on. We'll, we'll still try to sort that out. Um, if you have a preference and you have, like, an overwhelming preference, uh, let me know, and we will try to figure all that out. But we're learning on the fly. and You guys have been a really, really big help through all of this. All right, follow me on Twitter at jpergsonAU. Follow him on Twitter at paintsharpless. I think we're both rolling with Auburn to be Kentucky this week. We will talk to you again sometime on Sunday to recap everything that happened between the tigers and the wildcats. Until then.